Why do we tune in? What? Oh, no, no. Okay. Okay, good. So first one, I don't know. The first one is for, the second one is for protection, correct? Yes. The first one is to tune into our inner teacher or the chain of teachers or mm -hmm. vice versa, something like that, mm -hmm. correct? Many Am different. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, good. Any other interpretation? How about from experience? If when you have tuned in, what has been your experience of tuning in besides saying some foreign words? Well, when I tune in, I'm also grateful. Like, that's my opportunity to sit, you know, first off when we first get here and be grateful for those that have come before and those that are will follow and that I'm here. Mm -hmm. So that's part of my tune-in. That's how I interpret some of it. Mm -hmm. um, and just think the vibrations are just very grounding for me so it settles me and centers me to receive what comes next mm -hmm. isn't it that oneness that we tune into for me i feel like tuning into that oneness i just Absolutely. it comes together that's mm -hmm. how i understand it get mm -hmm. into the present moment mm -hmm. just to withdraw yourself from everything and so there's a particular energy. So every modality, every spiritual modality you will find has a certain frequency. Like just like the studio, you feel that, right? You go to a different studio, there's a different frequency. This particular studio has a certain frequency. I have a frequency, you have a frequency. So Kundalini Yoga, this particular modality also has a frequency. So the mantra that you use in used to tune into this frequency is what we chant with the Om Namo Gurudev Namo. Let's say if you were tuning into something else, some other kind of modality, you might use the Gayatri Mantra, you might use a different mantra based on however that teacher decides the frequency. Yes? Thank you for asking that question. Okay, what else? I like a group which has no more questions left. <laughs> it's all been answered. Just tuning in can do that sometimes. At a certain level. It's like it's all taken care of. Uh. Okay, I'll ask a question. <laughs> um, you know, you watch the shows like uh, Long Island Medium. You know that show? Not or, really. Okay, so they... People make an appointment, they come, she reads them. Oh, she's and, a medium. Yeah, okay. Medium. So then they talk to, oh, your mother's coming forward. You know, she says that you have her special locket or her picture. You just looked at it yesterday in the drawer or whatever. So are those souls not incarnated again? Or are they picking up that? spiritual energy from when that person, like, it was pretty accurate. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't say up. for surety that that's the reality of them pick, tuning in, to, especially for the shows. I feel a lot of it could be staged. Um, to, let, me, let me first answer, to the extent that I can, and then I'll have you answer the rest of it. <laughs> You're trying to answer, right? No. Oh, you were trying to ask a question. Yeah. Okay. So let me first finish with that. So, um, <laughs> this whole idea of souls being here and souls gone after death is so random. And we can choose to make up whatever we want to make up. But when it comes to 
somebody tuning into souls and spirits. And we have something called the subtle body. Some of you as teacher trainees, we went through what the 10 bodies are. And one of our 10 bodies is a subtle body. And your subtle body can be tapped in even if the soul has incarnated again. Because the subtle body carries the information of every moment of every lifetime. And that's a huge database. Does it make and sense? So it's in this plane or, or any there? plane. So subtle body continues no matter where the soul is. So if so, it's going to get one more lifetime added onto it. Oh, uh, you mean like, for the subtle body? Right. Yes. And then another one, another one. It's still going to be that same subtle body that it was before. Correct. Same subtle body. It's like a giant database, it's like your Akashic records. Okay. Same as Akashic records, wherever you hold your data of every moment of every lifetime is sitting in there and we hold it within ourselves. So if somebody has the capacity of tuning into somebody's subtle body, they might not even know it's a subtle body. They might say, oh, it's their spirit. So from that perspective, from the mediumship perspective, it says like all souls are just hanging out here. I think that's a bit Not of a Not all, whoever. Yeah. I mean, it could But be. anybody who comes to them, they can usually access somebody connected to them. Somebody, yeah. Right? So that just makes me wonder. <laughs> so my best guess is that they probably have the capacity to either tune into somebody's subtle body, but it's not like they're floating around here. Each one of us, you know, Yogi Bhajan used to say, each one of us is assigned 40 angels. Good thing they don't occupy any space. Otherwise, this room would get really crowded. <laughs> so who knows about this stuff that we don't see? A lot of it we can make up because we want something. Our mind is very sophisticated. Really sophisticated. And we have created and played with this stuff. I mean, look at what, the, what we've done with religions. We've created belief systems that can lock people up for generations. All in the mind. They can torture each other. They can stay in states of misery. Because it's a belief system. Well, I just couldn't, whether it's true or not, I just couldn't understand how somebody that died like 25 years ago and they're still picking up because I figured they would have moved on into a different body. Life. So now that you're saying it that way, then that can make sense whether or not it's true or not. Yes. It does make sense Correct. that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm neither a believer nor a non-believer. I mean, there's certain things I yeah. like, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to either deny or agree with it. Right. right? So, but that's my best guess. Let me take her first and then we'll get back to you. Yes. Do we always have more than one lifetime? Is that your question? Not necessarily. So let's say if this was your first lifetime and the agenda that your soul came down, you know, you, you as a soul, you get homework. Yeah. So you came down here to do homework. And so everything that was assigned to you, if you've checked off everything, every moment you have an assignment. 
So if you checked off everything, you're done. Ta-da. Does that scare you? No. Does that make you think, oh, what? Um, if I'm not coming back, then where am I? Good. I'll plant those seeds in your mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Bianca? Um, well, this is a different question. Are we still on this other topic? Okay. So, um, my question is, how, so when I was in Kentucky, okay, just as reference, you know, I was at my best friend's house, and I said something like, you know, I believe that, you know, Jesus was a son of God, but he's not the only son of God, and that really uh, did not go over so well in the household. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to explain this in a very simplified way that doesn't get heated. <laughs> okay. It was really a heated situation. So think about it this way. The tighter I'm holding on to something let's say a string, yeah? The tighter I screw a string on, even a gentle pluck on that string is going to create vibration in that tension, yes? Right. Okay. Our belief systems are like that. Our belief systems give us some kind of security. It's a safety net. It's an identity. Mm-hmm. If for generations I have decided that Jesus was the only son of God and the rest of, and he suffered for us. So I should constantly be in a state of penance because somebody I didn't even choose. I didn't even ask to take on my sins, took on my sins. I mean, it wasn't even my, but I'm paying for it. It's like a subscription that I didn't ask for. (laughs) Does it make sense? I mean, I know you make sense to you, but for somebody who believes in that subscription for generations, And to think otherwise is sinful. Mm -hmm. Like we have planted that seed in the mind. To think otherwise is betrayal of Jesus. You know, loyalty is such a made-up thing too, right? You can become loyal to anything. And if someone comes and pokes into your loyalty, is that going to upset you? So the things that were meant to free us, religions were meant to free us from all the crap and allow us to realize our origin, religion, right? Realize origin. What is your origin? What is your original self? That thing that I want to merge with, right? That's my original self. But... During the 2,600 years that have passed, we needed certain belief systems to corral the consciousnesses that were really going haywire. Think about it this way. You see this whole scandal coming up with uh, all the sexual allegations, Me Too, hashtag Me Too thing? Mm -hmm. Yes? Okay. 
you think once we become aware of something like this, everybody becoming aware of this and not condoning that behavior is now going to be the check on that kind of behavior? No. Now, in the present day, isn't that going to be helpful? Like for somebody, they will think twice before say, oh, oh let we me just, just make a snide yeah. comment. But Alabama just elected the senator today, so. I'm saying going forward. I'm not saying we're there yet. Yeah, I don't know. This is a very, we are just waking thing. up. You know, you seen a child that's just waking up? They know. go into sleep and awake and sleep and awake, like scrubbing their eyes. That's the phase we are going through in our consciousness. But those of us who are becoming aware, who are creating this momentum of awareness, are now going to, this awareness is going to hold people responsible for their behaviors, right? Nothing is hidden anymore. The last 2,600 years, our consciousness did not have that awareness. Therefore, we needed moralistic belief systems to hold it together. Making sense? We needed the morals that said, Jesus said such and such. Jesus said, be this way to your neighbor. Jesus said, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, da, 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 da. So if Jesus said something, we can follow because we didn't have our own awareness in it. Does it make sense? Our consciousnesses were literally in the dark. Has expanded so much but so, as we're coming out we are becoming aware of ourselves do you see that like lights are turning on in ourselves so now I don't need the morals as much but my awareness keeps my behavior in check but when you bring that idea with someone whose identity is embedded in someone we put up on a pedestal to look up to. And we, we've done that so skillfully now that for those of us who continue to do that is a way of denying our own responsibility towards ourselves. Like, I only do something that Jesus says, not something that my consciousness says. When you drop a, <laughs> a little pluck into that, it is going to vibrate the tension that it's holding. So when you get into those kind of conversations, I like to have that kind of conversation by first gauging, is that person reachable and teachable? Mm -hmm. If there is absolutely no room, don't, don't get into it. You're getting into the arena of a bullfight. You know, it's like and you don't have the skills to do it yet. So first check with yourself, is that person ready or am I just planting my opinion because I want them to acknowledge me and what I am starting to believe now? It was just more of like them saying like, oh, you're so, it seems like you really had it down a sinful path and I wanted to, like, <laughs> and I wanted to talk to you about that and, you know, has the devil like, gotten a hold of you. It's just like all these things. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> oh, so you're, I love you're it. Sort of like, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, great. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> there's... Like, Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, me. It was really, I got this. Yeah. yeah. They're like, 
Um, you, I also see you don't have a boyfriend, so I'm guessing you're interested in women. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's just like this whole Pandora's box. And I was like, I have no idea how they even go about talking about Smile. this right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why, uh, you know, if we got into abortion. We got into all these different topics. And I'm like, I'm actually avoid confrontation. It may not seem like that, but I avoid it. So I was just like, let's just not talk about it. And I, but then I felt like I needed to, but I didn't know how to express it. And then I said the Jesus comment. That didn't go over well, and it just made it. <laughs> That's my question. Like, I just don't know how to, like, consolidate it because there's no way to really consolidate it when it's like the beliefs are so strong. Mm-hmm. When they are ready, they will start by questioning their own beliefs. I mean, each one of us have done that in our own ways. I mean, we grew up in some kind of religion, didn't we? And you can see your parents probably were stronger believers than you are. In that? No? Maybe not. But when they were talking to... So the devil... I'm just trying to relate this to what we talk about. And, and Okay. You know how we've talked about your nom? We've talked about the ego. So... When, they, when they're like, so my best friend gave me an example. Her dad, who was my pastor, killed himself in front of everyone. And I found this out when I was in Kentucky. And she's like, the devil got a hold of him. I've never seen someone like that with their eyes, like, just blanket, just crazy. Does that, when they talk about the devil, could that either be their nom, like, like we talked about, or can that be, like, their ego? And I don't know if that makes what my question It does. It does. Does it make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Like, who the hell is the devil? Mm-hmm. You see how much we've uh, done this outsourcing, by the way? Right, right. Like, anything that we don't want to own within ourselves is outsourced to Mr. Devil. Right. And anything that we desire to be, but we don't authorize ourselves to be, we outsource it to God. Mm-hmm. These two aspects. And then we are here in the middle we are the ones with the free will, with the choice. Um, what <laughs> Satan, devil, all these concepts have come from this dualistic aspect of the self. Yes? Yeah. Which was much later. Okay. Um, each one of us has a shadow self, and we keep talking about this. There's a shadow self. Have you heard of this concept, shadow self? So shadow self is when your soul comes into your body and it is just so innocent. All it knows is like, it's in wonder. Everything is in wonder, yes? I love watching little kids and how all they are doing is experiencing through their senses, like constantly. They don't know what the limits are. They don't know what the boundaries are. So Yogi Bhajan goes into great detail about this in mind and meditation level two. And he talks about, When you're a child and even a simple thing is denied to the soul, let's say you sat in your dad's chair in in his office and he was having a bad day and he saw you sitting in his chair and said, what the hell are you doing? He yells at you. You know, can you change? These situations arise, yes? Not everybody can constantly be on their best behavior. In that moment, if your soul registered that as a trauma and you're as a, at, that, at that stage, your mind doesn't have the ability to process. It gets dropped into the shadow self. Okay. 
And the job of us growing up is to be able to process those shadow parts of ourselves. But if we don't, even as an adult, bless you, even as an adult, every time you see that's a similar chair, it's going to trigger irritation in you. It's going to trigger subconscious, unconscious reactions from you. Now, the devil just took over. I'm just irrationally irritated. How many of you never had that? You don't know why you're upset. You don't know why you're crying. You don't know why. There's no rational, conscious thing going on, but it is happening through you. Those are the things that, like I said, we have delegated over to Mr. Devil. Right. Yeah, he's doing it. Correct. And so with these kind of modalities, if you notice, we don't give you any wiggle room about putting responsibility yeah. on anyone else. Mm -hmm. You're upset. You're irritated. Sit your butt down. Slow your breath down. And observe what the hell are you really irritated at. The other person just might be the trigger for it. But the irritation is inside of us. Anger is the same thing. The other person could be the trigger for the anger, but the anger, the upset is in my shadow self somewhere. And the more you learn to process that, the more you release it. No one can arrive at that state of liberation without dealing with their shadow self. Our first chakra and the second chakra is, has been so deeply um, that was my well, the word that came to mind was mutilated. Mm. You know, through the we've gone through some really harsh times in the dark ages, if you've not noticed. I love watching these shows from the olden times and how difficult life used to be, especially for women. Mm. All that constriction in these two chakras you think is not carrying forward in our DNA. So our shadow self is also could be composed of all of that stuff that is now ready to work through us. So every time you are alive, you have an opportunity to process something. Therefore, breath is so important. Learning how to slow your breath down is so important because the moment you stop your breath, the moment you hold it, constrict your abdominals, you are stuck in that shadow self. You are not letting it move. Satan has taken hold of my breath. It is not letting me breathe. Obviously, my eyes will pop out. My aura will change. Especially for religious people, in the Catholic faith, there's so many restrictions. There's so much suppression. There's so much repression. Do you not see it? You see how it shows up sometimes, the shadow self shows up as a more of perverted action. In the Eastern philosophy, they were very strong about no repression, don't repress anything. Learn how to express everything in a graceful way. Your sexuality is beautiful. 
Your insecurities are lovely. Let's look at them. But we have spent so many generations not looking, repressing, shove it under the rug, just look good here. Look like everything is good. But when that all comes up, it's the devil. So with that pastor, mm-hmm. his shadow self caught up to him. Mm-hmm. He, you know how much pressure those people are to just look and behave moralistic? Mm-hmm. No one can do that constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Human he was being really, he was being exposed and for all the things he did um, to, my, to my best friend, his daughter. So um, he like couldn't take it. And I said, I go, I don't really feel like it was the devil. I, I couldn't explain that. I was like, that's just, that was, this was like him in this lifetime because, you know, he was being exposed and he couldn't face that and he couldn't go back to the church. So it's devil. It's not him. Right. Pastor was all good and pure. Right, of course. You know, I mean, look how twisted we've turned this into. I mean, we've denied this whole idea of death and sex. These two First two chakras are death and sex. We completely deny it. I mean, good Lord, Jesus wasn't even born out of consummation. The mother had to be a virgin. That's purity. As if sex is dirty. How ridiculous is that? You see, and it's a belief system. But if you say that to someone who truly believes it, they will be super offended. Now, this is a story. I am cutting a little grip in the story. That's horrible. Satan has gotten hold of me. The devil is speaking through me. Right? What is devil for one person could be saying for another? (laughs) And that's even what religions use when their seekers start to ask questions. They don't have answers, so they say, this is the devil speaking. The de- you know, you're you're not you're not actually questioning. That's the devil questioning. Yeah. You know, so that then it makes you go, oh God, the devil's in me. Then now it's something on the outside could take hold yeah. of me anytime, and right there is fear. Mm-hmm. So do you see fear is used mostly? Sure. Fear, moralistic repression. Yeah. To keep the masses under control. It worked for a while. We needed that in the dark ages. I'm not saying it's without merit without moralistic stuff we would have literally destroyed ourselves but now as we're stepping out of that you will see the newer generation just doesn't relate to it anymore it's like a different language for them it's like what the hell are you talking about in there why can't you just say it i used to always question why can't they just say it clearly what they want to say why do they have to put it in riddles in the Bible or even in the Gita or even in, I mean, any of these. Just say it. Tell me what you, how, what life is about. Tell me. Give me a manual. And I'll follow it. Aren't these just manuals? <laughs> Someone else had their hand raised. Yes. Um, yeah, if I can just tack on along with this idea of the ego. And um, so as I understand we have this we all have this inner self, our this inner being that is called the divine, the beloved, 
um, you know, our higher self, and which is joy, peace, and we have this entity, this um, separate self that's labeled the ego or um, mm-hmm. self-image mm-hmm. that is obviously creating all these issues mm-hmm. and blaming what it's doing to the devil and all, all these um, suffering that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, why did something so perfect as the divine um, initially even create something like evil? Uh, you, know, you know, when by itself it's perfect to start with creating something that has now turned into a monster. And that's why we're here learning this yoga technology to remember our divine being again. Um, why was that even created? There is actually no divine and no evil. There just isn't. But it's a perception that we need through our mind. So we have this thing called Japji that we play every morning during sadhana. And there's a whole pori, there's a whole stanza in there where Guru Nanak was going through that state of like being shown everything. Right? So he said this poem in that state. So in that stanza, he's talking about how we have assignments to do. Like I could get upset with something and trigger something in you. We are all like connected uh, through these invisible connectors. What I do affects you, yes? What you do affects me. This back and forth reflection and refraction creates distortion over time. This last Friday, we were talking about how most of us, when we are talking to someone, you're actually not even talking to that person. You're talking to an image that you have in your mind about them. That's how off we are. So when you're addressing someone, whatever prejudices that you have accumulated in your system and the filters through which you are looking at, that's how your tone will become, that's how your words will become, that's how your thoughts will become, that's how your actions will become towards that one particular person. Does that make sense? For that person, you could be evil. For the person that you are trying to break their belief system, you were evil. But are you really evil? No. Based on the filters that we look at, we categorize things as good and bad, right and wrong, evil or divine. But the reality of it has to be felt inside of you, not by someone telling you this is divine and this is evil. So our goal through yoga is to sensitize yourself to a place of reality within yourself so you get to choose what is divine for you and what is not divine for you. But the moment you start imposing that on someone else, the distortion begins. But like I liked your example on teacher training about your nam because when you talked about, what was it? Something about... Um my true identity. Yeah, but you were talking about, and this like was like, whoa, this is mind-blowing, when you were saying how 
someone's nom could be something that appears evil. So that also is confusing. That's what Japji and Guru Nanak is saying in Japji, that each one of us has a nom. If one of my noms is to hurt you, Right. Because we have, you have to learn from what to do with that hurt. Right, exactly. Does it make sense at all? Mm -hmm. right. This is very complicated. It's, it's a complex equation. It's that not simple. Yeah. So if somebody has been given the norm or the assignment to hurt someone, because based on that hurt, now you have to decide what to do. Let's say your parents did something to you. What are you going to do with that besides just blaming them? Why is it happening to you? Can you look at that? What am I, this has been given to me. What should I do with it? Right. And that's what you came here to learn. If you don't learn and just push it all on the blame, then they are evil to you. But the moment you can understand and shift into your norm, which is your real identity or your assignments, you will actually not even consider them a problem. They were the vehicles through which you learned something. But, and that's what I explained to Jenny, was my friend. I said, you know, you're, and I, of course, I, I didn't say nah, but I said, you know, that could have been hit. Well, of course, I don't believe in multiple lifetimes, but I did say that. And I said, that could have been your dad's lifetime because he's trying to show Connie, that's her mom, that, you know, this, she would have never been able to leave him, and now she's free from him. And that could have been, you know, we don't know, but it could have, that him killing himself and doing it so elaborately could have, you know, been, or that could have been his, why he came to this earth for this particular life. Right. See, and that's. That really just confused her. I was like, oops. Don't, don't give this to someone who doesn't have the bandwidth to understand it yet. This yeah. is, I mean, it boggles the mind to think about it this way. It's so, so much easier, so much simpler to say, you're bad, I'm good. Right. And is there anyone who doesn't think that they're good? I mean, Osama bin Laden thinks he was, he was the bomb. <laughs> Pun intended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that I don't understand or that maybe sometimes I understand, but sometimes I don't is even within us, there's a piece that like you can at the same time long so deeply for that union and simultaneously hate that piece of you that wants it. Mm -hmm. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the shadow self? There's that push and pull. There's, there's a gravitational pull at the momentum that you have created over lifetimes in the separation. And then the longing is coming just because it's part of your now to start seeking that. So anytime you start to learn something new, is it painful? <laughs> mm -hmm. You start a calculus class and you don't get it at all. Isn't that painful, but you know you're supposed to do it. Without this, you're not getting your credits. Now, that's painful, isn't it? That's torture. So when you first start to get into that longing, just I hear the longing so much. But the pull of the, the gravitational force, the momentum of the separated state is so strong as well right now. That's why Yogi Bhajan created the sutra. I keep giving the sutras back. When the time is on you, start, and the pressure will be off. 
the pressure is only felt when we are like right smack in the middle and we're getting pulled in opposite directions. But if you just start like one breath at a time, what, what does this breath do to me? Which one am I choosing? Did I choose the separation? Did I choose the union? I chose the union, even if I just moved like an ant's foot forward. And the very next moment, the pull of the separation might pull you 10 feet back. But that is going to be the journey in the beginning until you do the reverse momentum begins. That's why sadhana is so important. And everyday practice is so important. You are what you practice, isn't it? If you're practicing thinking negative thoughts all the time, how do you think you're going to become a positive person? If I am practicing pulling myself away from my negative side that keeps telling me I'm good for nothing. If I'm constantly saying, sorry, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. I put on a mantra that I don't have that frequency right now, but that mantra is giving me that frequency for now. It's a vehicle. I can go to church. I can sit with Jesus. Jesus is a vehicle. I can sit down in this class and I can listen to pre I'm a vehicle. I'm, an, I'm like a boat. All these things are like boats. Wherever you are, you sit in that boat. Let it take you across. But at some point, you're supposed to let go of that boat. Because you have now arrived there. But during that time, in that journey in between, which feels torturous, you do need something. You need tools, you need teachers, you need guides, you need a million things. So as many as you can gather, great. I gather all the prophets together. I'm like, come on, people, bring it on. I can tune into anyone's energy. Right? They're all available for you. Everything is available to you. But it feels torturous when we're just sitting and experiencing the push and pull on both directions. I know it's a torturous time, but each one has to go through that. Each one of us has to go through that. You can't, it's a threshold you have to cross. And it's a purification process that you have to go through in that process. Does it make sense? I keep giving you the example. We're just talking on and on. I was giving you the example. In India, there's a lot of these olden temples in the Himalayas that you don't enter the temple without taking a bath. First, you take your shoes off. I remember there's this one place called, it's a, it's a goddess cave, literally. And I was like six when my parents took me there first time. And you have to hike up. It's a couple of hours of hiking, 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 just right on top of a mountain. And I thought it must be something glorious up there, you know. And we arrived there in the middle of the night at the peak. And, you know, six-year-old, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I just want my bed. And my mom takes me and puts me in this ice-cold water that's running out from the mountains, right? It's like spring. And, like, I remember screaming, but then it was also extremely exhilarating at the same time, right? And then we arrive there, we, we go through a little cave and there's little water about this much, you go through a cave 
and in your life I have this opening and there's these three little rocks that are decorated. Like, <laughs> it took me through all that to see this. I thought this was like something glorious, Disneyland. But, you know, it was amazing in a way and my mind wasn't getting it. But now I understand. So all these things are created as a physical representation of the internal journey. You have to hike, you have to do the work, climb, climb, climb. And once you get there, you have to wash away the old. You have to wash away the old. You have to let it go. You have to just drop it. Then you can enter that cave. It's making sense? But in the process, the struggle will be there. Just accept it. Just accept it. 